what I see in the white community a lot is they focus on the effect. I'll use the rioting as an example of that. You're focusing on these people shouldn't be tearing down small businesses, these our local grocery stores. That is the effect. Instead of taking a step back and asking the question, why is this happening? Right? So it's the right. cause that you're associating yourself with and you are appalled by the, the effect of that. But why does that happen, which is the cause? So being able to look at this is happening because they have been silenced for years and years and years. They tried to peacefully protest and it didn't work. They've been trying to tell us, but we've uh, made up uh, excuses and downplayed it for years and years and years. And now what do you do? What's the next step? This is about humans dreaming together. About humans supporting each other on our journeys. It's about the science and the art behind making our dream lives a reality. To the students of life. The young and the curious. The dreamers and the doers. To those who crave to be a strong individual. And want to be part of something bigger than themselves. Welcome. 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 Welcome to the Dreamology Podcast. Welcome, everyone, to the Dreamology podcast. Dreamology is the study of the art and the science behind making our dream lives a reality. And here we are focused on giving you the mindset, tools, and strategies for making daily progress towards your dreams, no matter where you are in your journey. My name is Tim Bishop, and I'm the co-founder of the Dreamers Initiative. I'm a student of life, and I'm a life conversation junkie who is on a mission to identify how to truly live the dream life and help you do the same. Our guests on this show include best-selling authors, neuroscientists, entrepreneurs, and dream chasers around the world who share their knowledge, greatest stories, and life lessons with us. Before we dig in, I want to mention this podcast is brought to us by The Dreamers Initiative, which is a personal development community, community that is on a mission to help Gen Z and millennials and young individuals out in the world awaken their dream life and make them a reality. We believe that humans are stronger together and that together we can accomplish anything. So let's get started on today's episode. Hello, everyone. Thank you for tuning into this very special and important interview on the Dreamology podcast. Today, we're going to talk about race. What happened here in my home turf of Minneapolis, the murder of George Floyd, was something that shook the entire world with protests going on in every single state in the United States and around the world because people are really starting to say enough is enough. White people are waking up to this reality that black people have been living in for years and years and years ever since the start of slavery. Conversations about race are something that I've done not very much in my life, and I wanted to start changing that. So I brought in founder of N1 Motion, Rakeem Anim, to talk about what does it really mean to be anti-racist? What does it really mean to be there for the black community? What does it really mean to be fully educated and empathetic and to understand what black people have had to go through their entire lives? And Rock touches on personal stories, on the fact that he got a mixture of everything from suburb life to inner city life and the fact that his dad was an immigrant from Ghana 
And he really has a lot of different perspectives to share with us. And so I challenge you, I really challenge you to listen with open ears, an open mind, a reflective mind, and ask yourself, how can I put these lessons that Rock is talking about into my life? How can I embody the words that he is saying and truly start to make change, truly be an anti-racist? Because systemic racism is something that we need to end in this country, and it really needs to happen now. And so I really thank you for tuning in. If you clicked on this episode, I assume that the title intrigued you and that you are ready to listen. You're ready to understand where you may have screwed up. If you're white, if you're black, maybe you're ready to hear a fellow black man talk about his experiences so you can relate to it and see what he says about what you can also do to be a part of the change. So without further ado, here is Rakeem Anan. To kind of kick things off, um, I, I would say everybody everybody has been dealing with a variety of emotions over the last week or so, um, depending on, you know, whether you're, whatever side of the fence you're on or if you're in the middle, everyone has their own opinions and, and there's a lot of anger, fear, hate, um, you know, a lot of sadness and confusion, you know, there's a million other emotions that people are feeling right now. Um, but I think, you know, what I really want to just have the conversation of and, and I guess bring light through our conversation too to the to our, our listeners is, um, you know, at the end of the day, just understand that, you know, we're all human beings and we need to take a time to take your own emotions out of it and also jump out of your own skin for lack of a better word um and just have empathy um that's a word that you know i'm going to say a lot today but uh look at perspectives i i challenge people on both sides you know whether you're black or white clear uh privilege or not you know if you grew up with money or depending on where you grew up you know look try and look at things from the other perspective um and not to reason but to have understanding Right. I think that's the, uh, the ultimate goal of this whole thing. So, yeah, for sure, man. So how are you, how are you feeling? How are you feeling right now? Or about what, 10, 10 days since the, yeah, I'm not, uh, I've gone through the emotional roller coaster, right? It, it was, you know, it's, it, it's kind of gone up and down, but right now I would say, um, I'm not incredibly emotional. Now I'm more in like that action stage. I've always been a very actionable person. Um, not super emotional last week, I would say up until about Tuesday, it was very emotion, emotional for yeah. me it's, uh, to focus on anything else, um, besides, um, the issues that's going on in our country with, uh, racial and social injustice and police brutality targeted towards black men and black people in general. Um, and so obviously I'm a member of that community. I'm affected by it. I have friends and family who are affected by it. Um, and it's, it's just, you know, we've been, the term that's been going thrown, a lot, uh, thrown around a lot through this is we're sick and tired of being sick and tired. You know what I mean? It's, it's yeah. not, well, I'm upset, I'm angry. Yes, it's that, but it's like when it happens over and over and over and over again, then it's just like, what needs to happen for this to change? And I think finally the environment um, of, we've kind of created, we haven't created, but we've been put into this perfect storm of COVID-19 over what is it 40 million americans don't are unemployed right now um technology and the age of social media that we're in so you can have broad visibility right people can see 
something happened, you know, millions and millions upon millions of people in our country saw the death of a man who was handcuffed in police custody and who was murdered by four cops, right? And so, yeah. like, saw that and we could actually see it instead of hearing it, you know, from in a, reading in a newsletter with a uh, newspaper, it's, it's, it has a different impact when you see it with your eyes and then doesn't matter who you are, you look at that and you can say, man, that's something is not right about that. Why did that happen when this person's handcuffed and there was no, there's, there's no way you can justify that in my mind um, where you can justify why that's okay. Right. And if you can justify that, then you have to question your heart as a human being and why, like, it doesn't, I don't, you can say, you know, oh, he's a criminal or this, that, and the other. It does not matter why yeah. I, for that reason. Right. And yeah. that's, that's where a lot of the outrage comes from. It's just like, it's just ridiculous. Um, and there's been multiple other incidences that's happened over the last 30 days too, that I unfortunately is not getting the publicity that it deserves. But I think the George Floyd incidents, that unfortunately happened in our backyard is the one, it was like the straw that broke the camel's back. Right. And I think, yeah. you know, it's, it's sad what happened, but I feel like, you know, I, I'm a man of faith and it's almost like this had to happen in order for this revolution to take place. So here we are today. Yeah. Yeah. Is that, I mean, I was, cause that, that's been on my mind too, is like, why, why this one? And I asked that to myself too. Like why, why are you finally emotionally invested? Why are others finally emotionally invested when this has been happening? I mean, for the last forever. Right. Uh, yeah. Do you think it is just because this time was like, no matter how many bullshit excuses people have made in the past, this one is just like, you almost have to be like, so out of your head to find an excuse for this officer at this time. It's just like, is that, I mean, again, like, why do we think the George Floyd one, it's in Minnesota, Are Minnesotans finally kind of like, oh my gosh, like, I'm asking myself these questions, like, why now? Why is this the one that, it's I think, interesting. I think people are still and they're listening and like, we're forced in our houses with quarantine and we don't have, people are unemployed, they're laid off, they don't have, and if you are working, you're working, you know, from home and you just have more time to consume, yeah. right? Um, and I think that has a large part to do with it because there's been other incidences, like I've said, people protest, they riot, but it has not got the, the global impact of this one. But I think it has a lot to do with the landscape and the environment with COVID-19. Um, yeah. But it's even then you can bring up, you know, Ahmaud Arbery and that's why, you know, that got big headlines. But even then that wasn't quite as big as this i guess that wasn't you know directly the police i guess those two the gentlemen that were involved with that were former cops or they were um off-duty cops whatever the uh, i can't remember the specifics to that but um you know it's i don't I know that's a that's a good question and i think it's, it's a multitude of things but um yeah but I'm, yeah I'm, I'm glad you know this is this is taking place it's forcing us to have conversations with um with with people and, and really challenge you know their perspective yeah 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 a lot of uh like you said i mean the man of faith and just the eye-opening i mean again none of this we don't want any of this to happen but maybe it's what we needed maybe there's you know myself and and a lot of us needed like okay we, we can't ignore this this has got to be you know 
a top priority. Um, yeah. And, and I mean, you mentioned at the beginning too, like, again, you're kind of a man of action and, and that's where, that's where I'm trying to figure out again, when we talk about, you know, white people are finally speaking up and, and I think it's great. And I've, but again, now that we're 10 days removed and some of those like insane initial emotions are fading a bit, starting to question and try to figure out like, okay, it's good that people are speaking up and saying stuff, but a lot of it might be emotionally charged. And what happens when that emotional charge kind of fades? And one of the things that, again, I want to talk about and that people have been mentioning is just like the continuation of being anti-racist versus not a racist. And I'm curious on your dissection of that. And what does that mean? Like for someone like me to going forward, as I think about what I, what I can do, what does that mean? Those kind of back and forth of anti-racist versus not a racist, you know, I mean, it's part of who you are. Right. No, at its simplest form, um, anti-racism is taking action against racism, right? So what are you doing on a daily basis to actively not just go about your life and not have that personal prejudice towards someone towards, towards their, about or because of their race, rather, um, but actually doing something about it, right? Like, are you having conversation with your friends and family members? Are you holding people accountable? When you see something wrong, are you stepping up for those people who are experiencing racial injustice or people who are experiencing prejudice because of their race or racism, right? That's what racism is. It's, it's a, a, a bias. It's a, it's a aggressive behavior or prejudice towards a group of people based on their race and the belief that your race is superior to theirs because of their complexion or their skin or their race, right? That's, that's what racism yeah. is. I think oh, the true definition, like, well, I'm not racist. Oh, okay. So when you see, a black guy come into a store do you think they're going to steal if you think that and you don't have any history of seeing that individual steal then that is racist that's what racism is and if you believe that if it was a white person that wouldn't happen because they wouldn't do something like that that is the definition of racism so you are a racist but going back to your question mm. of anti-racism versus a non-racist non-racist is, is is just you're passively you're choosing not to take those actions and your beliefs, which is not being a racist is obviously a good thing, but it's not enough. And what you've been hearing community is it's the silence thing, right? That's why that's why the silence is not okay when they're saying, Hey, I want I need all of my white friends or my white acquaintances to speak up right now and stand against racism and not just say, I have friends that are black. Right. Yeah. Yeah. That's not enough. Like you need to make Hmm. a public post on social media so that all of your friends and family members can see where you stand. It's going to stir some, it's going to ruffle some feathers. Right. But you need to make sense and say, I do not believe in this because by being quiet, you're part of the problem. You need to step up for what you believe in. Yeah, man. It's, I mean, it kind of goes back to the classic, (laughs) like growth mindset 101 I guess now that you're talking about it it's like if you say you're not a racist it's almost like saying yep I'm good I I got my bases covered um and now that I think about it I remember seeing someone post something that was like you know being anti-racist actually allows you to admit your your faults it actually kind of allows you to admit like yeah no I I did think that and that's wrong but I'm 
I'm anti that. Like I'm getting, I'm trying to get better. And so I kind of pieced that together when you were saying, yeah. I love what you said there. It's, it's acknowledgement. It's acknowledging that. I think that's a key word. Acknowledge. You have to acknowledge that these things are happening. Like just because you don't personally experience racism or you haven't seen it in your close group, in your close network, doesn't mean it doesn't exist. That would be like me saying, I've never been to, I've never been to Africa and I don't really believe that Africa is real. I haven't seen it with my own eyes, so it's not real. You know what I mean? Like that's, that's yeah. the same concept by saying that, you know what I mean? Just because you haven't seen something doesn't mean it doesn't exist. Just because you haven't experienced it doesn't mean that it doesn't exist. Right. Yeah. It's just a re- thought process behind that concept. Right. <laughs> And yeah, I mean, it seems like speaking for a lot of people, maybe from the suburbs of Minnesota, that might be kind of their mindset. Honestly, it was, again, it was honestly mine. I mean, it's, you say you're not a racist. Again, I know we mentioned like this, well, I haven't really seen it. So, and you just kind of get stuck in that thought pattern and it. And again, maybe you are seeing it. That's what I'm realizing. Maybe I have been seeing it my whole life, but I just wasn't, I didn't wake up to it. Or you've seen it, but you've downplayed it as, oh, they're just being funny. They're just, that's just how this person is. You try and make excuses for what you just saw and you downplay it. I think that's a a big concept and something that I think a lot of people have experienced themselves is I know my, I have this one friend that always makes these jokes or they say these things that I just kind of awkwardly laugh it off, but they don't check them for it. Yeah. Don't want to have the uncomfortable, the uncomfortable back and forth. So you just, yeah. So what if, where did you grow up? Man, so I grew up, uh, I was born, I, I lived in Minneapolis until I was about six years old or so. Then I grew up in Brooklyn Center, Brooklyn Park area. Um, and so I actually, I feel like, you know, and I'll dig in this to a little bit later, but uh I have, my perspective is different than most, I would say, right? So I grew up, you know, I'd say for the most of my life I've grown up, I've lived in the suburbs 80% of my life, right? So I've lived in Brooklyn Park, right, for the majority of my life. And, uh, but I had inner city experiences because I would go there to play sports, right? So I played basketball, ball. So I would drive to the city every day to play sports. I met all my good friends lived in that area. Right. But then I had the privilege of driving back to the suburbs every night. Right. So mm-hmm. I also had white friends in that area who grew up in the suburbs. Right. My school, elementary school and middle school was was pretty diverse. My high school, um, I would say in numbers, most people would be like Champlain Park is not a uh is 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 a very diverse school but if you look at the percentages it's not that diverse you know what i mean right um, right um and that's when i went to high school so i got a chance to to see both worlds and understand both perspectives the other thing is that my dad is an immigrant right he's from west africa he's from ghana and so you add that to the mix mm. and that's a whole nother thing right like being black and being african are different right they have very yeah. different you know what I mean? And so I'm, I'm getting the, the, the black experience. Um, I'm getting the suburban privilege experience. I'm getting the African experience. I'm getting, having an opportunity to be a black kid in the suburbs, having white friends. I'm getting that experience as well. So like I've 
had an opportunity to have conversations and, and understand a lot of people's point of views. And I mm. think that, um, you know, through that experience, I think I see, I, I'm not friends with any racist white people, but I'm, you know, but I am friends with even blacks who, you know, have point of views that are racist, right? It's the same thing. I think you could be racist on both sides of the spectrum, right? Um, but again, there's a lot of white friends that I have that do not understand. And I think I shouldn't say they're not racist. They, they could, they probably are racist, but they don't understand what that means. And having these certain prejudices, they might use words like, oh, but you're not like them. Well, what does that mean, right? Like if you saw me, the reason why they think I'm not like them is because they took the time to get to know me as a human being. So they know who I am. They know my character, this, that, and the other. But if they didn't know me, I still wear rock my hat backwards. I still wear hoodies, right? And if you didn't yeah. know me, have a totally different perspective based on what I'm wearing, based on whatever in my skin complexion, right? And so that that experience has been eye-opening as I kind of look back, you know, when I, I went to Mankato for college and I had people that I've met there uh, that became acquaintances with where they said I was the first black person that they've ever seen in person or I was their first black friend. Like, like that is crazy for me to even fathom. Obviously yeah. growing up and you go to a place like that, it's like I'm the first black person that they've ever seen in person and we had a black president at the time right so it's like <laughs> wow like that's crazy like it just really opens your eyes to um to how our environment shapes our point of views our perspective and that's what i think is is important to be to have empathy towards because your your environment shapes your your logic your thought process right if i grew right. up in one area I'm around these people, I'm going to adopt the, that's why the term, you're the average of the five friends you hang around, like that's yeah. based on influences, like that's going to penetrate your being and your thought process. So it's important mm -hmm. for people to diversify uh, the people that they interact with and the relationships that they build, whether you're any inner city black kid or a suburban white guy, right? Like you need to intermingle and, 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 uh, learn and listen and have those different experiences. And I, I think it will change a lot um, of how people interact with people of opposite race. It will change a lot of their prejudice and uh, the way they perceive those people. Because at the end of the day, we all want the same thing, right? We all want success. We all want to be loved. We all want to have financial freedom. Like we all want the same thing. So why is it that we let silly things like pigmentation get in the way of that? Yeah. Yeah. And I feel like you nailed it when, when you said, I mean, everyone's like, Oh, I have a black friend. So I'm not like, I'm good. Again, it's, uh, again, I've been all over social media, like all of us. But one of the things that I was reading again was like, once you get close enough to something, it's impossible to ignore, like usually how absurd it is. And it's the same thing. It's like, once you get close enough to an issue or, you know, you have friends of different colors, races, backgrounds, you're like, yeah, no, we are all literally the same. Like there is no difference between any of us. And it's, you know, that's where, again, what you said, it's so important to get close to it because you could easily just sit in your bubble, like all in your own world and just choose to not, again, just choose to not engage. And you can just keep those, those improper thoughts just in your head. So what, I mean, I'm curious now. I mean, yeah, I didn't, I kind of think it's interesting how you had, that such a you know your dad was an immigrant you also grew up in the suburbs you have the inner city experience like do you have any experience or stories you know that just kind of highlight maybe even if those different experiences like conversation with your dad or thing you've seen people go through or 
you know, how did that kind of shape your foundation for how you view things? I'm, I'm curious if you have any stories on like personal experiences. Um, I would say like, I never, I don't recall any conversations with, you know, my dad or my mom or my parents saying, you need to look at these people this type of way, or you can't, you know, date someone of this race. We've never had those kind of conversations. Um, and I give them a lot of praise for that. Uh, both my parents grew up and my mom grew up in North Minneapolis. My dad grew up over South Minneapolis. Um, and so, you know, they, they, and again, they grew up in a day and age where there was more, there wasn't segregation, but there was uh, more racial conflict, I would say. Um, but they both went to private school, right? They both went to mm. DLSL high school. And so again, that's, they probably had a different experience for themselves too, because they had to interact with more white kids going to a private school and see. Um, so I appreciate them for that. But I will say that one thing that, you know, they always did for me was they, you know, push, get an education, make sure that you're, you know, you're, 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 you dress nicely, right? That was always a big thing in our family that you're well put together because how you, your appearance is your first judgment for a lot of people. So how do you appear? Right. Um, so I think that was one that it wasn't really anything like that was spoken, but it was like, make sure you dress nice because that sets the tone for everything else. You know what I mean? My dad's a super friendly guy and he got to see him interact with black people and white people and he treats everybody the same and he, he puts on a smile and he can joke and laugh and have conversations. So that's something without him saying it that I always picked up on and just that the way he would communicate. Right. And I think that mm. is something that, that's important too. There was never like, oh, he's don't talk to these people because of this or don't talk to people because of that. So like, even though it's not something that you necessarily said, it was, I watched and you listen and you observe and then you then react. Right. Yeah. So I think yeah. for that, uh, because it could have been different if I had parents who, you know, who were the type to say, you can't do X, Y, and Z, or these people are evil and this, that, and the other, then that my, my perspective would have been framed up that way. Then I would have been on me to then try to break those chains. But, um, but yeah, that's, you know, that was a lot of my perspective. Now, as far as me, you know, again, being in the suburbs, being in a situation where you're sometimes the only black kid in class, or you go to these more rural white areas, um, you go through things, you experience, you experience, uh, you know, I call it, you know, I don't call it, but the term is microaggression, right? It's people who, again, I experienced this the other day coming home from the uh, 35W incident while we're protesting. We come home. I live in a townhouse. We're getting ready to go. We share underground garages. I go to uh, my wife and I. We're getting ready to open up the door to our garage. And a person's getting ready to pull in with their vehicle. Instead of them pulling in, they drive down the road, stall and wait. And I'm kind of just like, hmm, that was weird. They sit there, then we go inside the garage, and I'm like, I have a feeling this person was thinking that we weren't supposed to be there. So I wait, and they come back around, and then they, oh, they just want to make sure that we live there, and they're not, they're looking at us like we don't belong there, right? And as they come drive down there, I'm just staring at the person, just like, you got to be kidding me, like, yeah, you have notion that I don't belong there because of our skin color, like, you know what I mean? So like little things like yeah. that frequently and all too often, or you could be at Target at a, 
uh, or a Walmart, doesn't matter the store, but there's, you know, I've had experiences where I'm at a checkout, self-checkout, and you've got this person, you just feel like the clerk is just looking at you and they're always coming towards you, asking you, can I help you, can I help you? They're not that eager to help you. Like, I'm, yeah. I'm not doing it in front of the thingable thing if I need help, or I'll look at you and say, hey, can you help me? They're just trying to see what are you putting into your bag. I've literally had one time where somebody literally dug through my bag and was like, okay, like trying to make sure that I've scanned everything. Would that happen if I was white? No, it wouldn't, right? Yeah. And all that person. I, I've always been someone, and I shouldn't say always, but I would say over the last, you know, eight, since I've graduated college, I, when I kind of walked into and I felt comfortable in my own skin and who I am and my beliefs, um, I will speak up against anything. If I don't feel like something is right or I feel some type of way, I'll let you know, right? And I call that right. person out. And they got defensive. Oh, no, 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 no. Like, that's what was a response. And they're lying, right? Like, you are right. there. You know, you have that. And what I should have done was go to their manager and talk to them. But I know that that would have ended bad for that person. Or maybe it wouldn't have. I don't know. But I don't want people to necessarily. Some people, a lot of people deserve to lose their jobs. But I just want people to be accountable and, and, and know that that type of behavior is not okay. And it won't be tolerated, at least towards me. And if I see it, I'm going to call it out for somebody else too. Yeah. Yeah. And it seems like that's the common white response. What, what's it called? Gaslighting? I've been reading about it. Like just the idea of you downplay everything. No, that's not what happened. This is what was going on. No. And it, and that becomes the recurring, the recurring. And, and then eventually it's like, damn, we've been, we've been pushing this off for, you know, for again, forever. Like, and yeah. And, and just, I think that's the thing too. I'm, I'm being, I'm awakening to now is like, it's the day to day of those things that just never happened to me. Like nobody would ever, nobody would ever do that to me. And again, that's the, the piece of understanding. One of the pieces that I feel like have totally been missing. hundred percent. And that's the thing is that I think one thing that's happened a lot, you use the term yourself, the awakening, the term, the slang term woke has been going around for years. <laughs> now. But that's what that's speaking to. Are you woke? Are you aware? Are yeah. you seeing these things? Because it's happening. And if you're not woke, then you are choosing to not be aware of what's going on. And what's the term you use when you downplay something? Uh, gaslighting, right? Is that kind of the, or it's whatever. That's, that's a different, yeah. But basically, basically, it's like changing the story or basically saying, no, like that wasn't racist. That was, you know, he was just, or, you know. And that's for me, I think for me personally, I know a lot of other people in the black community would agree is that that is the number one most frustrating thing is that when you downplay the writing and you make that the focus of everything, right? Yeah. You didn't about anything else, but when it was writing, you are appalled. We are appalled too. We don't want rioting. We don't want looting for most of us, I should say. I don't think that that is the right way. But in the beginning, I said, I understand why they're doing it. You're frustrated, you're angry. Now, we are, now we're seeing that these are other groups of people who are trying to make things worse. And their agenda and goal is to change the narrative, to make yeah. us look. That's what the problem is, right? Like, so you can't downplay, oh, if you got that to me, that's the biggest issue the people who downplay uh, situations and they trying to reason their own rationality. Yeah. That's what they're. I mean, defenses you're trying to reason why they think the way they do instead of saying 
is am I right for thinking that way? I would say this, you're not wrong because you're shaped by your environment, but you are not right because you have not had the conversation with somebody and you're not, you're choosing to not listen by coming up with excuses. You're excusing yourself, but you're not educating yourself on the perspective of those people who are experiencing these things. Yeah. It's almost a cop-out. I mean, it's a cop-out to say, I see this, ah, I don't want to like feel uncomfortable or vulnerable or change my views. I'm just going to re I'm going to just shape it within how I already view things. And I'm just going to keep going, just keep going this way. Again, my, my examples are <clears throat> these riots are horrible. They need to stop while not addressing racial and social injustice is horrible. It needs to stop. Police brutality is horrible. It needs to stop. Right. And also kneeling for the flag is disrespectful to our country and this, that, and the other. That's another. Look at Drew Brees right now. He's getting slammed. Oh, my gosh. He's getting slammed. Understand that the American flag represents uh, solidarity with our nation, and we understand that people sacrifice their lives apart for our country. We 100% acknowledge that. But can you also acknowledge that there is brutality and injustice that's going on to the people in the black community <coughs> at a different rate than people at a white community? Acknowledge yeah. Right. So that is why they're doing that. They're not saying the flag is wrong, but they're saying that there is a problem in our country. And you want me to stand and salute the flag. But the flag is not representative to what our founding fathers supposedly wanted for our country. Right. Right. But justice for all. That is a false. That is a lie. Right. For many people. So mm -hmm. if you might, still might not agree with it. And you are entitled to your opinion, but then you at least be understand, say, I don't agree with it, but I understand why they're doing it. I see that that is a problem in our country. And let's have dialogue and say, you know, what can I do to help stop this? But how can we say, hey, is there a better way that you can pro protest? I think it's peaceful. And you know what I mean? And so, like, that's just yeah. the reality. It's just having those conversations, right? Yeah. But discredit it by just coming to the defense of the flag or, you know, whatever the case might be, um, you know, just, just be sensitive. Yeah. I mean, the flag thing is weird. We don't have to get too into that, but it's again, I don't know why I don't feel like many other countries tie their flags so much to just like military alone. And your point is like the flag doesn't just stand for military troops. That's one piece of it. Yes. But what about all these things? Like, <laughs> like this isn't saying that I am dishonoring military members. Right. It's like, and I think that's the frustration too, right. Where it's like Kaepernick Neal, peaceful protests happened, this happened. And now it's like, look, eventually people were going to get angry enough to a point where, you know, shit went down. And again, now we're finding that in whatever, again, all this stuff is just kind of like, it's, if you're, if you're choosing to focus on those things, you're missing the bigger point. I think that's, that's the clear conclusion. And the, the objective is to silence the voice of the people who are being oppressed. That is the goal. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's funny. I mean, one, one simple shift that I've been realizing is people who are like, somebody pointed this out. It's like, it's so powerful. If you say like the order, once you bring it up, if you say like, yeah, you know, like the, the murdering and the police brutality is a bummer, but like, what about all that rioting? And what about, and then you go on on that rather than saying, man, it's a bummer that the Lake street businesses burned down and I feel for those people. But what about the murdering, the police brutality, the oppression, the incarceration, the just how you 
just how you phrase that has a huge difference. I saw that same exact post and it was, it resonated with me because it's so true. It's not, and you're not discrediting one by saying the other, but it's how you say it. Yeah. Right. Said it perfectly. It's, you know, it, the writing is terrible. That's happening, but we have to do something about this issue and police brutality and racial and social injustice. If you yeah. say that you're not going to get people in your comments firing away with at you and going crazy. Then next thing you know, you have to delete your Facebook, right? Like yeah. that simple things <clears throat> to show compassion. Right. Right. And I mean, and the power, I mean, again, for X, Y, and Z variables, this George Floyd case has been, I mean, the world, I mean, I've been seeing videos in New Zealand and Dublin and Japan and I mean, everywhere. And it's like, again, there's a reason why this has been a means of, of change for a lot of years because it brings, it's bringing attention to things, you know, it's, it's putting things out there for people to see, which is, which is definitely needed. Right. I've been learning so much by just scrolling and being like, Oh wow. Okay. Don't say that. Wow. I didn't know that. And it's, so the, all the attention is like exactly what I think people need right now. You've been, you've been in Europe and abroad more than I have. What's, what have you observed the racial climate in other countries in Europe in particular? Yeah. I mean, well, I'll, I'll actually speak on Asia first because I was in Thailand and again, racism exists everywhere. hundred percent. Like, I mean, again, with, with the Thai people in particular, you know, they, they wanted their skin to be lighter because if you had darker skin, it probably meant you were poor or you were a farmer or you worked in the fields because that's because it's so hot there. Right. So if your skin's dark and, and so, you know, actually I've, I didn't see it because again, I was only there for five months and that's not exactly the priority of, wasn't the priority of my focus. But again, I've, I heard like, yeah, no, we, there's a lot of oppression against I, I, just people who have darker skin here. And, and then you, I mean, again, you look at places in Europe, Again, very little diversity. I think the big difference is they didn't have slavery. They don't have like they don't have the backstory, right? I think that's what I realized. Like, okay, racism exists everywhere. You know, you go to look at some places in Europe, and it's, I mean, again, it's like French people. You know, it's not like in the U.S. We have just this melting pot of people, right? So I, I think racism exists everywhere. I think the big difference that I've seen from my, again, just my lens is that. In the U.S., there's this awful history that is leading up to affecting people today because of choices that were made. And so I think that that's really the big difference. Right. hundred um, percent. And slavery, I mean, slavery is an interesting topic because slavery happens in countries. People, slavery, people enslave their own people, right? They will enslave right. a war and you defeat them. You might capture them hold them hostage then sell your own people for goods and resources right like slavery doesn't right. necessarily races but and we're getting off kind of all topic but um it is interesting to hear your perspective on different world views and perspectives because i know our country i feel like um that's uh that that is america's original sin uh i think is is, is slavery and it's it's built in into the fibers of our country yeah and it's, yeah on, right and so you know people <clears throat> we've come a very long way um you know that's only happened you know for we're only 400 years 
you know, 400 years ago, you know, there was slavery still, right? And even if you look at when there was segregation, hasn't been that long ago, right? Then you look at the civil rights movement with Martin Luther King. Um, again, we're 50, 60 years out from that stuff, right? That's That wasn't that long ago. And yeah. so I think time that we're experiencing, this is another revolution, the day and age that we're going through now and what we're experiencing currently. And we'll look back on this hopefully in 30 years and be like, wow, that was tragic. But we took a big jump forward because of what happened there. And I think that's what, that's what we have. That's why when we say we need our white allies, we need the people to speak up against and be anti-racism versus not racist and publicly state their views and opinions and have conversations and hold people accountable so that we can get to that point. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's a good point again. I mean, there is, there is slavery and, you know, there was some genocide going on in, in Myanmar down by Thailand when I was there. Uh, but again, I think the big issue with America is like, we're supposed to be this land of the free, this here's we're this big, you know, and all of the principles that we're founded on have been pretty hypocritical since day one, right? There hasn't been freedom. There's been, and I just watched the 13th documentary yesterday. So I just learned a lot yesterday, but it's like, there's been all these things that have weaved into the system. And so it's that frustration that builds because it's, you know, it's, it's, it's continuing and continuing and continuing. And, and um, yeah, like you said, it's not, hasn't been that long ago. Right. It's just not like this is, but again, so, it like, no, oh, sorry, go ahead. I was going to say, so let me ask you a question. I mean, if let's say you, you worked in a corporate building, whatever company you work for, let's say you work for, I'll use Walmart just as for simplicity. Let's say you work for Walmart and headquarters and your boss had all these rules in place and this is the company's mission and here's our standards, here's our, what we stand for as a company. But then the, the, the chief executive officer and then your chief finance officer or the vice president, all these other people, they didn't abide by the same laws and principles and they didn't walk the mission that they speak about. Would you lose respect for those people? Oh yeah, absolutely. Right. So in our nation, right. Liberty and justice for all and all these things in our constitution, uh, that exists to, that is the law, right? The law is a mm. law and you can respect the law, but then everybody has to follow the law and you have to hold them accountable for breaking the law. That should apply to everybody, but it does. It's if when it's when there's double standards, then you lose respect for the system. Then the system is broken; it doesn't work, and then you're going to have people who lash out against the system. They're not going to abide by those rules because they're going to say, "Well, I don't see you holding these people accountable when they do things wrong that look like you." But then you're quick to prosecute, and you are applying uh, very harsh penalties for 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 things that don't deserve those harsh penalties that are going to affect how we can make change to the system, right? And so, yeah, yeah is one that is overwhelming when you really think of like what's so why did this George Floyd thing happen was it just four bad cops you know I I will be the first to say that not the first but I, I, I stand with the people and I understand that um, not all cops are bad right I have friends parents that are cops I have friends that are cops not all cops are bad they go through a lot of crazy things they they deal with a lot of crazy things right but there are cops who have those racist views and perspectives. So when they go into a situation, they have the opportunity to infuse their power, right? 
mm-hmm. whether it's their badge or their skin complexion on somebody else, they need to be held accountable for that. Right? Yeah. Yeah. If your dog bites somebody, a stranger, you got to put your dog down. Right? That's what people do. Right? So I'm not saying you kill a person for that, but I'm saying if someone lashes out and they do something that is unjust, they need to be held accountable for that. And in that, whatever, whether it's uh, aggressive force that wasn't necessary, or in case of the George Floyd case, murder, you should have the same penalty as any other civilian. Yeah. Yeah. And that's, again, that's, I actually would be interested in diving into this now because again, this dude had what, like 19 or like an absurd amount of violations. I think he had three incidences where he actually shot. I don't know. I don't, I don't want to speak on it specifically, but I right. forget it. has personally shot three different black men. And I think he killed one or two of them. Well, now, yeah. but I know he had, he's had a lot of incidents. And so, yeah, that's the, that's the big question, right? How is this man, how is he even still wearing a uniform being out there in the streets, right? After all this, that's, that's happened. And I don't know how much, you know, because I know we wanted to jump into like some actionable steps because again, I've been just listening to people who know more than me. Obama has been saying a lot and just how he kind of always brings back the point. Like, like we got to refer to legislation. What are we changing? And I've seen things like defund the police, which I'm not super aware about. I've seen things about obviously, you know, better training. And um, I'm just curious what you know about some things that are like people are fighting for. Again, we're thinking about like actionable things that, that need to be changed. Would you know, how much do you know about kind of like, what are some of those top priorities? I think um, actionable steps to changing what is the question, right? There's a lot of things that are broken um, in our system, but I think that the number one goal is to change and stop systematic racism, right? I don't believe that we can necessarily stop the Charlemagne from the Breakfast Club had a quote, and I really liked it. He said that you're not going to stop the white guy leaving church in Alabama who has a Confederate flag in his pickup truck. You're not going to stop him from rounding the N-word at a group of kids at the park as he passes by, right? But you do need to stop the systemic racism that keeps black people inferior to every other race and white people in particular, right? That's what I have. Right. So how do you change that system? It's getting the right people in power. It's the legislation. It's voting. Um, but then you think of the problem with that. It's they black people need to make sure they get out and vote. And also our white allies need to vote against people who you can't vote for people who tolerate racial and social injustice. Right. right. People in the right place to do that. Now, that's very overwhelming to think about. You might not consider yourself someone who's super political. Um, but I think the easiest thing that you can do as an individual, if you feel like that personally, well, like I, that's a lot for me to think about and I don't have the education. What you can do, number one, is acknowledge in your own personal heart that this is a real thing and it exists in the world, that even though you might be privileged and you might not deal with these things, that this exists, that's number one. Acknowledging that, making the shift from not a racist to anti-racism and stepping up and holding people accountable um, is another big thing, having difficult conversations with friends and family members, right? It's a generational thing. Like a lot of times people's parents mm-hmm. and grandparents have very different perspectives and our kids and our kids' kids are going to have different perspectives from us, but it's important to have those conversations, right? <clears throat> That's number two. And then three is 
educating yourself, right, by watching movies, documentaries, podcasts, having dialogue with people who have different experiences and different come from a different race from you, and just having those different experiences. I think that's something that everybody can do um, actionably every single day to take those small baby steps to making and being the change. Yeah. I mean, I like how you phrase that because it's, again, people can, it seems like a lot, right? Some people might not be like, well, I'm not going to go be an activist necessarily. So what is, at, at, what do I at bare minimum owe to the world? And yeah, empathy, educating yourself, having conversations. And like you just said, like, what are we, one thing I've thought about is just what are we going to pass down, right? What is, you know, cause it's like when I was a kid, I didn't get talked to about this. And now I know, all right, I got to talk this about to my kids. I got to, you know, when that happens someday, but you know, I gotta, I gotta pass this down in school. I didn't, you know, we opened our textbooks and we learned about slavery and segregation as what racism was. And that the conversation ended there. Right. So now I got to make sure that again, so that's a great point of just like, make sure you're at that point of, okay, I gotta, I gotta work on this. I gotta be a part of passing this down. I don't need to like, necessarily commit my whole life to it but some people might feel called to right so it's just at a bare minimum you owe it to the world to to learn educate and then converse and grow our education system has got to do a lot better too like it's crazy to think like the last time i think of like my school experience like last time i took ethnic studies and different things in college i guess that's different for me but for the most part in public school the last time you probably heard about slavery or anything regarding black history was in junior high Right. We yeah. about government and, you know, all these different things like you have to learn about slavery and maybe the the uh, maybe a little bit of the civil rights movement, maybe with Martin Luther King. Maybe you've learned about segregation that and, and what that story was told. But guess who those books are probably written by? Yeah, the same people. <laughs> but it's by a white guy or woman who wrote the textbook and you're hearing this from their perspective. Right. And I think there's a lot more to be told because we built this country, right? Like with free labor, blacks built this country, right? Again, with, you know, white people obviously had a lot to do with that too. But again, since we built this country together, why is there not more black history that isn't used? And then you get people saying, I don't see a white history month, <laughs> right? You learn about white history every single day. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. That's are just like some of the things that are just like they're just crazy to, to think that you know the amount of ignorance out there and, and i don't see say ignorance as a, a negative term but just not taking the time to know and lack of ed- education on these topics and again i'm not a black historian i'm not an encyclopedia so don't you know if you're white and you're watching this don't a lot of people are going to have conversation with their black friends and saying what can i do what can i do I'm personally trying to be a resource and have these conversations with people, but don't expect people to be like, Hey, you need to read this book and then write this paper on it. Like that's not what we're here. You need to take it upon yourself to say, I'm going to educate myself in these areas, write down what you're going to do daily, monthly, weekly, just like set the goals and then execute your action plan and how you're going to do that. Like I applaud you for going and watch that movie. Uh, yes. Hey, that's huge. More people need to take those actions to do that. I think it'd be super cool if Netflix made their 
popular on Netflix, all black films or things on black history. So it's easy for people to access this stuff. I was looking at it yesterday. It wasn't there. Like that, like yeah. that would be huge. Like we just need to support. And again, just supporting black businesses and, and being able to uplift this group of people that are hurting. And I don't like, I don't like to play the victim. Um, and so I, you know, as a Christian too, I, believe that God determines my path in life that no matter if someone's racist to me, if that's going to suppress me, like I don't believe that somebody being racist to me will stop me from achieving what I, what God has planned for me in my life. Like you don't, I don't give people the power to do that. on me. You can say whatever you want. That's not going to stop. You cannot hire me for this job. That's not going to stop. Right. Yeah. Some way, like my path has been written and, and God, my, my path is in God's hands. And that's my personal perspective. Um, I think it's a good one because it, it doesn't create this trap in your mind that yes, our people are being oppressed, but you can't let that defeat you. Right. Don't yeah. be defeated. Right. Have that chip on your shoulder and say, I'm going to rise above this in spite of, and here's how I'm going to change it from happening over and over again to other people. Yeah. Yeah. It gives you faith, right? That's, That's the, the core word. <laughs> yeah. And yeah, that's, I mean, the Netflix thing is interesting too, like, because the 13th was one of the most searched uh, documentaries when I was typing it in, but you're right, it wasn't on the main page. And and that's another hey. example of, of how simple, like, again, how simple this can be. And because as I was thinking, like, what can I do to not forget about this? And it, it honestly, I think it is as simple as just making sure you're getting those pieces of education. You don't need to read a 600 page book. Like this documentary was an hour and 40 minutes. And from that alone, you can get like, whoa, like some sacrifice one night of watching, you know, whatever, The Bachelor or whatever people watch and, and, you know, just spend an hour and 40 minutes on that. And, and so I think, yeah, it's, it's so true how it can be. It's not like we need to search far and wide to, to be educate ourselves. Like it's, there's resources there to do it. That's what the goal there's a lot of controversy with the blackout Tuesday. Um, right. Right. Some people were like, well, this is dumb because now all you see on social media is black squares. People need to be educated. And it, it's why are you silencing people's voice? You want to say something? The whole goal of it was to stop the noise of people posting about their tummy tea and their, you know, other things that are happening that are not, pro or pushing the subject matter and the issue that our country is dealing with. It wasn't speak up about these things, educate yourself, educate others if you have those resources, right? But the goal was to, again, provide information and research people to learn. That's what that day was for, not to silence yourself if you have something to say about it. If, you need to, if you're someone who wants to express, hey, I'm posting this, I'm with you, I'm in solidarity. I don't understand some of these things or perspectives, but I'm going to use this data better myself and have conversations with other people so I can understand and be open-minded to it. That's what you know it was about. So that's what the goal of that day was. Um, yeah. Unfortunately, it was misinterpreted a little bit, but I think people can still, again, search hashtag Black Lives Matter, see what that whole movement's about. And guess what? Instead of asking your friend, Google it, right? There's Google right. is apply right. Take the time and Google it. You'll find easy information on what is anti-racism, what is microaggression, 
Like, what are all these different terms that you're hearing right now? What is redlining? What is, you know, what's the history on uh, black incarceration rates being way higher than all other ethnicities? And they're only uh, a smaller percentage of the population. Like, why is that? Why do these things happen, right? So, like, mm-hmm. looking up that information on the, on, you have access to that information in the palm of your hand. So, do your due diligence. Um, instead of putting that work on the people who are being victimized or, or people who are, or having the issue, don't go to them and be like, hey, give me this information. Well, this is not, this is happening to us. Now you're coming to us with answers. Like you need to go and fix yourself. Right, right. And that's the thing that I've, again, that's what I learned the last couple of days. And like, there's people that commit their lives to this and there is a lot of good resources out there. And, and that's where I think, again, the empathy comes in, just like you said, right? It's, it's your try and then you learn something and you start to say, yep, you know, that doesn't happen to me. So they must be feeling the weight of the world. So I'm, you know, again, don't harass all your friends to educate you. Like pick up a book, watch a movie, read an article, go on social media. Like, you know, I think that that's something that I've been learning a lot and just trying to be way more mindful of is what has been a burden that I haven't realized and how can I be a part of not putting that burden on others when they're already going through enough stuff themselves. Absolutely. For sure. And we, so I was just looking at some notes you made here too, which was, you know, we, we want, we talked about a lot, like, you know, again, what have white people been, miss, been missing? Like empathy is one perspective. And you also made a note here. I want to touch that one. It's just like the focused on the effect and not the cause. You kind of made a note about that. Can you elaborate on that and just what you meant by that? Um, I got it's kind of the other way around. I think that, um, what I see in the white community a lot is they focus on the effect. I'll use the rioting as an example of that. You're focusing on these people shouldn't be tearing down small businesses. These are local grocery stores. That is the effect. Instead of taking a step back and asking the question, why is this happening? Right? So it's the right. cause that you're associating yourself with and you are appalled by the, the effect of that. But why does that happen, which is the cause? So being able to look at this is happening because they have been silenced for years and years and years. They tried to peacefully protest and it didn't work. They've been trying to tell us, but we've uh, made up uh, excuses and downplayed it for years and years and years. And now what do you do? What's the next step? Do you just take it and just say, hey, this is how life is. This is how that's how a lot of people and generations ahead of us. That's how they viewed it. I just deal with it. It is what it is. Right. And they just I'm not going to mess up my paycheck by speaking out against it. Right. And they're not necessarily wrong for thinking that because everybody doesn't feel like they're an activist. But again, that we both know that that is wrong. So look at the cause, not the effect. Right. You got to get to the root. And to, in order for us to fix this and not just be, have this knee jerk reaction when something happens and just say, no, that's the problem. No, that's not the problem. The problem is actually what's happening over here, but you're making a distraction because you keep getting on people for this, but really that's the main issue. And I think that's what we need to continue to uh, make this fight about social and racial injustice. That is a real issue. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah, totally. I think just like you said, the people, I mean, I'm again interested on like the people who like what's, we talked about the bare minimum people can do, which is like like start to learn, start to empathize. And then there's the other round of people say like, well, I'm not an activist, but 
I think a lot of people would identify as like being a leader, right? A lot of people would identify or want to at least be a leader. And I feel like this is now, I mean, that's what I've been thinking about more than ever is like, if you want to be a leader, what does that mean? What does that mean to step up? You don't necessarily, again, need to be like an activist, but what does it mean to be a leader in the world today? And like, this might be an interesting question. I just thought of it, but like, you know, I have aspirations, obviously, of influencing people and being a person of influence and maybe taking one step more than people would take when it comes to just people developing themselves and being there for people. Like, what do you think people like me who would say like, yeah, I would be willing to step up in ways that might be bigger. Like if you're yeah, any, any leaders listening to this, right? Like, do you, what's like the next step? Is, is it just being more vocal? Is it, you know, I mean, I'm just trying to comprehend, right? Like what are the, what are the spectrums of things that we can do here? Um, I don't, I don't know. I'm curious. Oh, I think it's, it's, it's not a cookie cutter. It's not a cookie cutter thing. Right. But I think at a high level, it's do what you can, when you can with what you have. Right. That's what I would say to that. It's take your skill sets that you have, your ability and whatever your skills are. So for you, it's, you know, your podcast and your ability to create and communicate and inspire other people to be excellent and to be dreamers and to uh, achieve at the highest level possible, whatever that means for that individual. I think using your platform and using your skill sets to bring awareness, to bring change and whatever you feel is organic for you. Right. Yeah. Tapping into your own gifts and your own skills, exactly. right? hundred percent. So I'll, I'll just take you for an example, right? So like you've been doing these amazing podcasts and I know you just relaunched um, this new project. And I think, you know, again, having more conversations with people more more people of color, like myself, like getting to interview and have, get more perspectives because we don't have all the same perspective. Not everybody, every black person thinks the same, just like not every white person thinks the same, right? Gather multiple perspectives and just really get to understand and then talk to people who are more activists and have you know have grandfathers who've marched next to mlk and those type of things and have those conversations but then also talk to you know other people on the other side maybe as well i think it's important to to gather information and then share that with the world and say okay how can we fix this together what can you do personally and just continue to educate through your platform right until you know we seek change so yeah absolutely yeah. I mean, again, a lot of lessons in everything. I think that, yeah, for me, that's been one of the huge ones, especially it's just, okay, what is, what does this mean? You know, what have I been missing in promoting these things? And yeah, I think right, right. That in there is perspective. I mean, that's a huge word in my mind, different perspectives, different stories, different. Cause like you said, who wrote those textbooks? It was what probably white racist men, not to, <laughs> probably not all of them, but you know, but you know, it's like, again, that perspective is just, it's huge because if we're getting all of our information, even if it's the perspective we agree with, if we're getting it all from one perspective, then we're not going to be able to meet others and, and understand and, and, and educate together and converse together because we'll all be so siloed. And we see that in a lot of areas in our country. So that's why diversity is so important. 
And, and you as an athlete, a friend of mine, um, he's been talking a lot about this and, 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 and being able to make an impact. And he has a business that revolves around youth sports. Um, and he's done a great job actually with this platform and what he's been able to do, but he's refocused his energy, energy into youth sports, right? You as an yeah. athlete, being able sports is to me the closest thing to a perfect society that i know oh yeah because you get it doesn't matter if you're black it doesn't matter if you're white it doesn't matter if you're rich it doesn't matter if you're poor the best person best athlete will play right if you're not as good you won't play <laughs> but i mean yeah the locker room is infused like that's your brother you guys are going to battle for each other right and uh I think it's a really ex- good example of what life should be like, right? The yeah. people are the rise to the top because of their talent and their skill level, not because of their color. That should yeah. be right. So I right. think, I mean, I think an example and America's obsessed with sports, but it's funny how that doesn't, you know, that doesn't translate to real society. Yeah. Dude, I think about it all the time. I mean, sports is, yeah, there's just every lesson in life. I feel like, I mean, again, being guys who are obsessed with it, but it's just like, especially after watching Last Dance, you know, I just, I almost replay my entire life in the context of basketball. Everything that went well, everything that went bad, all of it, you're just like, damn, like that was, this taught me everything. And that's kind of crazy that just putting a ball in a hoop can can do that, right? And when I was in Asia, right? I mean, one of the most beautiful things is we'd go to this local court be three, two or three, you know, foreigners and all the locals, and they could only count to 21, but they couldn't speak English. But they could count to 21. Yeah. We'd get out there and we'd play basketball, and there was just the mutual respect. And I was like, this is beautiful, right? So, yeah, I totally agree. Like, looking for things like that, right? Looking for ways that even if, you know, you're a parent, right? That's what I'm thinking about. Like, get your kid involved in things where they're going to be put in environments where they can you know, again, like you said earlier, like get different relationships, different perspectives in a way that is ideally how we'd want the world to be, because then that person can know, right. Then they can, and that's probably where a lot of mine came from. A lot of my, from AAU to, you know, I mean, mostly probably AAU, but just the intermixing of kids from all over and you get to see those different perspectives. And so that's why I feel like I'm not perfect, obviously, but I was like, uh, that was my base education level it came from basketball. Absolutely. Right. hundred percent. And I think even then, like you can still look at if I'm, you know, if I grow up and, you know, let's say, I mean, we're in Minnesota. So, you know, Albertville, Minnesota, and there's not a lot of diversity out there. I need to get my kid infused and, and immersed in culture with kids of the inner city. If I want to give them that experience and show them, Hey, like you need to learn from these kids and vice versa, like they need to go and play sports you know, in another area than necessarily that you live in because you're going to meet different people, you're going to see different perspectives and you're going to be infused in a different culture. So I think being intentional about that, even as a parent um, or even someone looking to study abroad and those type of things, like go learn from people who have a different perspective is going to change. Um, I think it'll change your life with that experience. Yeah. Yeah. Um, a few things I want to talk about because again, I'm there's just a lot of phrasings that I think people will say and that uh could be good intent could not be good intent you know but i'm uh, the effects may not be how we want them to be and 
So like I, I wanted to bring up the all lives matter thing because a lot of people always bring that up. Uh, there's a few more things that I, I have questions about, but you know, that one in particular seems to just really be like, maybe there's good intent, but the effect seems to be very poor. And so I'm curious again, what your take is on when people say that and uh, you know, how, how that's interpreted. Um, I feel like the intent from all lives matter may be uh, good in some people's cases. I think it also is another way of discrediting and silencing the voice of Black Lives Matter. I think there's both, there's the two different people who always will post or, you know, say, well, all lives matter. Right. All lives do matter. But there's a parable in the Bible, and I'll give another example too, where there's a, a, a shepherd, right, has a hundred sheep. One of the sheep goes astray. Well, sheep are safer in bunches, right? If a wolf comes and tries to steal one sheep by bunching up together, right, it looks like it could be a bigger animal. They can protect each other, what have you. You know, the odds are 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 more in your favor if you're amongst your your, your herd, right? Now, the one sheep runs off, and if that the ninety nine sheep are saying, "Well, we matter too," the shepherd goes, "Well, yes, you guys matter, but I have one sheep that is astray." right? That sheep needs my help. I need to get them to safety so that we can all be safe together, right? Mm. And this is biblical scripture that, again, resonated with me, but I think that just speaks true. There's another cartoon figurine of basically you have two houses that were right next to each other. One house is on fire and one's not. And the guy goes over and says, hey, can I use your water hose? My house is on fire. Well, he's like, well, I know your house is on fire, but my house matters too. Why just put out your fire? I need the hose. He's like, well, your house isn't on fire. Mine is. Why you, you know, but he's like, well, I should put water on my house to prevent my house from getting fire. He's like, yes, I will help you do that. And we will do what we can to your house. Once we stop this thing from burning down. Right. right. Not discrediting one thing by saying black lives matter. Uh, black lives are the ones that are being, uh, affected the most in our country right like those are the lives that are being have are being impacted by racial and social injustice and police brutality so there's something that needs we need more focus on that and then when that issue is resolved then we can tackle the next issue right but that's the biggest thing that is going on in our country that has just been ignored for so long that you can't spread yourself so thin when you're just focused on all these different things you have you have to prioritize Right, like we need a really. This is a huge problem. It's not saying for the rest of eternity, black lives are the only thing that matters. It's not what we're saying. And we're all we want is uh, equal opportunity. That's all it is. Not more, not less. Yeah, yeah. It's a it's the perfect example as you were talking of the of the weaving around the conversation. Right, black life matters, and you go, yeah, yeah, but all lives matter, and it's instantly a way to just okay, we don't have to talk about that anymore. We don't have to, I don't have to personally go there. I don't have to let myself, you know, get into that. It's yeah. So I can totally understand that. So what about like, again, I'm just, I'm just, I'm thinking about phrases that people have said the last five to 10 years of my life that I'm thinking about. And, you know, again, one of them, I feel like people say is like, well, I don't, well, I don't see color. I don't. And like, is that, what about a phrase like that? People have said that and you're kind of like, again, is that interpreted in a, you know, 
I'll let you talk about it, but I'm just, I'm just spitballing yeah. here. No, I appreciate it. I'm glad that we're bringing this up because again, I want to bring as much value to the audience as possible and the listeners. Um, but again, I've heard that same phrase. I don't see color. All I see is humans. And again, I think their intention as well, but by not seeing color is being blind to in a, a group of people who are not being treated the same as you, right? By not seeing right. as being, right? And you're choosing to be blind and not realize and acknowledge that there's people of another color who live a different life than you and their life is affected in a negative way because of their color. So by saying you don't see color, you're saying I don't acknowledge it and I don't see this as a problem. Hmm. Yeah, I don't I I don't see what you're going through, right? I'm just choosing to to say no, we're we're already equal. We're already we're already here. Exactly. We're all exactly. That's it 100%. We're not here. We made big steps, we made strides, but we're not there. We haven't arrived at that destination where we can say and believe that we are equal. There is equality. Yeah. Yeah, man, this is, this is, this is quality to basic human life, human rights, by the way, we're not talking about, that's a whole nother discussion as, you know, why is there not as much black NFL owners as white owners or coaches, blah, blah, blah. That's a whole different conversation, but we're talking about basic human rights. Yeah. Basic human rights. The fact that there's people that are more appalled if someone had their knee on the neck of a dog and killed a dog than they would an actual human. That is a, that is a human problem. That is a problem. I can, it's very hard to me even fathom that. And there's a lot of people out there. Yeah. And then you realize that you understand, um, right? Like the incidents that happened in New York, right? Um, where you had a white lady use her uh, white supremacy and the term white supremacy just means superiority, right? The belief that right. because I'm white, I'm better, I'm superior. But she uses that to say a, a black man called her out and saying, hey, your dog needs to be on a leash. You're in a public park, right? He's bird watching. The dog is disturbing the birds and he's like an avid bird watcher. And so they're not coming to land so that he can be get better photos or observe. So he's she her dog not being on the leash which was uh i don't know if it was by law but it was rules in the park saying you need to have your dog on a leash he's coming there to have an experience to watch the birds feed or whatever it was and his experience is being ruined by her not following the rules so he asked whether he yelled i don't know the details of that that wasn't on camera but can you put your dog on the leash and the lady freaks out like how dare you talk to me this way who are you yeah. to tell me dog on the leash i'm gonna call the cops and say an African-American man is harassing me and she's screaming and being hysterical while the man records her and like, how silly do you look? Yeah. Right. Like that, that was absurd to watch. That was absurd to watch. Right. But like, again, this happens a lot in our society that, yeah. And they, now they're weaponizing because of systemic issues, they are weaponizing the police because they know what's going to happen when they show up. Hmm. Right. So now you think of the psychology of that. What? That is crazy. The psychology of that is just like, wow. 
that's that's the that's what we're fighting against. That's what we have to break. It's a large yeah. issue, man. Why when we say and and not being racist is not enough. You've got to fight that stuff, man, because it's 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 in the in the core of people's hearts and it's how they think and operate and they 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 know how to use it and they're using it as weapons. Yeah. Yeah, it's so deep. Like it's so that again, to something that small to have that severe of a reaction you know it's it's so deep even if that woman didn't even realize it before that moment it's and again that could that's probably a little bit in all of us and premeditate that and even if she didn't realize it by her subconscious she knew what she was doing yeah she, another example you get the guy who shot up a school killed nine people right with a huge ar-15 he gets arrested unharmed Right, the guy who went inside a, a church and a church shot up a black church. He gets arrested, unharmed. Right, you get guys who walk up to the Capitol in Michigan. Yeah, rights to bear arms. You need to open up the economy. Right, no police brutality, no uh, mace being sprayed, being sprayed, uh, no rubber bullets being shot at them. Right, and these are are the state capital with huge guns, and nothing happened. No uh, uh, excessive force by law enforcement. So the psychology of this stuff, like you got to open your eyes and really like, like why? Why is that? So if you believe that racism is not a thing, look at those examples I just gave you and ask yourself, well, what? How do you explain this? There's no explanation other yeah, than that, that Michigan one is. Cause that, that's an exact example where you're like, if that was a group of black people doing that, what? it would, it would have been, it would have been, I mean, everywhere. It would have been everywhere. Yeah. So yeah. And just those simple, again, with a lot of the school shootings, right? It's like, well, there's mental health issues or, well, there's, there's always a way, there's always a way to make it seem that like, blows my mind i don't understand how you walk away from that situation and you get arrested unharmed but you can be somebody who's unarmed and get shot killed yeah that, i you know and then the question becomes okay is it a, a training of the police is it fear i think it is some cases it might be fear because they're fear and again you need to be if you can't handle being a police officer is a stressful job i could imagine right there's a lot of anxiety and PTSD that they experience, but if you're not fit for that mentally or physically, then you shouldn't be a cop, right? Mm -hmm. And there needs to be and, and training, ongoing training to deal with that stuff. And if you can't handle a certain group of people, then you're not fit for the job, right? If yeah. you can't, you're telling me you can't disarm someone who, you can't disarm someone who, who uh, if you feel like a situation out of control, do you have to shoot and shoot to kill them? Yeah. Right? Can you disarm whatever happened to tasers, whatever happened to other things, right? Like no one should die in police custody. It just doesn't make sense to me. Yeah. No, I'm totally with you. Like you got, again, you got it. And this is why the whole situation is now becoming just completely, I mean, it's been messed up, but it's like people, are mad at police people don't want to be police but what we need is 
police to be kind of this thing of like, we're well-trained, we're respected, we're good, but it's just because of how, so it's like, we need to get to a point where it's like, there is that training. There is that people are ready mentally, I think mentally more than anything. And, and cause I feel like, you know, again, there's obviously ways that they could do it. This dude did not need to kill George Floyd. Like he had the, he had the tactics and the tools to be able to cuff this dude, put him in the car, whatever he needed to do. But mentally he was. <laughs> yeah. Right. And there's four of them. That that's, that's what gets me too. Is like, it wasn't like it's with all these videos you see of everyone. It's like, there's usually multiple officers and they're usually harassing the black man to a level. That's just like, yo, there's four of you here. Like this force is just not needed. And then the fact that whoever's doing it, the rest are just kind of observing, you know, that's what made me honestly just as sick is like, yo, you're not going to tell this dude to stop. There's three of you like in your conscious and you're just, you know, you're just looked at the crowd and it's right. like, man, yeah, it, it's, it's, uh, it's crazy. It's a, it's a big, <laughs> it, it, again, we go back to it and we say, okay, what is the cause? It's a system and it's, it's woven into the fibers of what our country is today. Um, and it's unfortunate, but all we can do is, is <clears throat> make changes that it, as individuals and acknowledging it, don't run from the tough conversations be an anti uh be anti-racist right and step up and do what mm. you can what you can with what you have to be the change yeah it's, it's not going to happen it's a good summary next week it's not going to happen in the next month the next year this is going to be a marathon not a sprint um but we can't we can't be the society then all of a sudden when sports open up now we're distracted by something else and now this just gets put on the back burner to the people who've been fighting it and they've devoted their life to it no like we all need to keep this at the forefront of our minds and, and of our beings and uh, we need to support financially we need to educate and we need to uh you know take action and, and be um proactive in making change happen yeah yeah that's a great summary honestly i feel like this conversation is really ingrained that like it's I, my mind is open now to this whole, like that was my big question, the anti-racist versus not a racist. And I feel like this conversation has helped me really embody that because it's literally like, again, this is where the world I live in, but it's, again, I'm just comparing it to that growth mentality of like, when you're, when you're willing to grow, when you want to go to the gym and you're overweight, you're admitting that you want to be better and you're acknowledging that you're not where you could be. And I feel like, again, with this whole thing, it's like, don't don't think of it as a, a personal attack like i i'm not where i should be and i have probably prejudice prejudices and things that are in here that i don't want but now it's my job to be anti that even if some of that's in me right i go to the gym i don't want to be overweight but i am i am overweight so i gotta do the work to not be overweight and i feel like that's how I'm viewing this now is like, I have this, this is in me. I'm a white privileged male from Plymouth, Minnesota. I grew up with everything that I needed. This is in me. This is here. And now I got to make the steps. Now I got to do it. And, and you can't change that just as much as I can change being black. But what you do with that privilege is the most important thing. And you have the power 
to make it happen. We can't, we're, I, <clears throat> the black community can't do it by themselves. Like you are such an uh, important part in that process um, and people like yourself. Um, and you know, you're to everybody listening, you're not going to be perfect. You're going to mess up. You're not going to say things the right way. People, you're going to get backlash um, and understand that we are human beings. Like people are scared to say things because they don't want to say it, be offensive. Like you're not going to always say it perfectly, but when you don't say it perfectly, hear the people who, who hold you accountable for it, listen and, and learn from that experience and then say it better next time or do better next time. Right. It's, it's a journey. It's not going to be perfect. Um, but keep making steps daily to, to be better by 1% each and every day. Everyone, thank you for listening. Again, this was one of the most important interviews and maybe conversations that I've had in my life, learning more about race and what black people have to go through on a daily basis here in America. And it really is unjust and things need to change. And so my call to action for listeners and for myself is to take time, you know, maybe take out a journal, a piece of paper and to write down what you're going to really do to start being anti-racist. When you write something down, you're more likely to start doing it. Commit to having a conversation with your one friend. Commit to watching a documentary like The 13th. Commit to reading a book. Commit to speaking out when you see injustice. Write down your flaws. You know, where, where has racism lived inside of you? You know, take, take 10, 15, 20 minutes and do this and write it down. Hang it up on your wall. You can see it every day. This is a reminder saying, today I'm going to go out into the world. I'm going to be anti-racist. I'm going to fight against injustice, even if it's in small or, or big ways. And I'm going to be a part of the change that this country needs. So again, please do that. The world needs it. And I really appreciate you tuning this episode because I know that means that you are ready to make a change and you are here to be part of the solution. So with that being said, let's go out there in the world. Let's make our dreams a reality. Let's help others do the same and level the playing field. Make sure that we all have equal, equal opportunity. Make sure we're all being treated the same, being treated fairly, and that this world can truly live together in unity. Until next time.